0: So I'm good for the time being. There's
1: no load shedding, so I'm good. No load shedding yet. Yeah, I
0: know. Like I I, I, I don't even wanna I'm in a dark place <sighs> when I when it comes to load shedding. I get very sensitive.
1: Yeah, you're not one of those people up on there's our app as needs to say, yeah, yeah, I know exactly when it's supposed to happen and
0: No, happen. I am not about when it's happening. The issue is that in my area what hints to happen every time we have load shedding because the infrastructure is old, causes traffic. Mm. So we end up having load shedding like longer, sh- and for me that creates frustration because I'm still working predominantly from home, mm. and then it's they sort of using that as a way to get a second to office. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's been an interesting almost two years. So I. I, I it things that are required me to be back in the office, I am not
1: a fan of. Look, man, I mean I guess, you know, it's it's part and parcel of what's happening out there in the north. I I saw somebody very frustrated this morning. Not just about the traffic, but the state of infrastructure because seemingly it hasn't caught up with population growth. So <laughs> I guess those old transformers and substations might have been made for Much fewer households than maybe are are out there. But maybe, let's let's talk just briefly um, about that. I mean, uh, the whole ESCOM situation. We're going to be uh, checking in with Brian Kamanzi in the next while. But uh, before we get into what I want us to talk about, just the latest out of ESCOM, you know, we saw intensive energy users crying in the Sunday papers. Then we also saw this afternoon... um, uh, Mr. Overalls are there, Mr. Banu Mr. der Reta. Um and um, Sikonati as well was also on that one. He was with us last week talking about the same thing. Generating units down, 16,000 megawatts, it's wiped off. Kutwani?
0: Uh, basically, um, it's old infrastructure that wasn't maintained adequately and new infrastructure not coming bo- on on board as they were supposed to. So we are basically stuck in this cycle until new generation comes on. So I think I think it's fundamentally, while it's been repeated many times, I think what most people seem to forget is that this is not a problem that's stopping anytime soon. And it's funny that the timing is always around increased time, so we are in dark times. Mm-hmm. So we're incentivized to increase. Um, at the same time, at the same time, I just think that the new generation needs to come on at, like, it's, and the costs for me are quite astronomical. Um, I always make it a simple example that I have how much I pay and I live alone in a flat. Yeah. I do not know how people with actual houses survive. I genuinely do not know it because I just think it would be it would literally
1: be paralyzing. The cost would be so paralyzing. And I guess the other is- story I want us to take a look at, the comparison between some of our neighbors who are in the same Southern African uh, power pool uh, and also uh, receive some generating support from ESCOM, uh, you know, the likes of ZESA in Zimbabwe, and, uh, you know, I think ZESCO is the other one. I'm not sure. Zambian ZESCO, ZESA, I'm not sure. Is Zesa. there is one called Zesa I'm not, just not sure if yes. it's a Zambian or the Zimbabwean one tea, tea, yes, um, yes, yeah. yes. so they tend to be a bit cheaper than maybe ESCOM is but all ESCOM tends to be if you compare it to everybody across the globe on average quite close to the average but much much lower than what might one might find in developing countries and um, yeah so, they, um,
0: so the guys did a comparative which was quite interesting in terms of um, how much ISCOM, um is charging relative to peers, mm. and also relative to other developing markets, as well as relatively relative to uh, developed markets. What was interesting in is if you just break it down, and I think I think sometimes it's important for us to break it down and just understand what we're looking at. If you look at peers from a regional basis, you have to look at electrification numbers. Um, so that's not an adequate comparison because there are more people who are electrified in South um, population-wise than there are in the developing neighbors. So that's not adequate. Then there is, if you compare to other developed markets, so I think I think Brazil is the closest to us, and I think that's a better comparison as opposed to um, Russia because gas, oil. Mm gas oil, so I feel that that's not a good. So, but policy. then why does
1: Venezuela have such a high uh, electricity price? I mean, they're a massive oil producer. Uh, corruption. <laughs> and corruption. What a quick, <laughs> like, answer. What a quick answer. answer. What a quick answer. <laughs> <laughs> answer. hold the line there for me for a second. We're gonna take a <laughs> but I feel that literally that's the answer. No, I mean, I don't know. That, that That's why I'm asking, but um, I no, guess no, but how rapid your response was. It literally has
0: to be the answer, answer. It literally has to be the answer, okay. be the answer because they have not developed their own infrastructure. They have not, for um, the cost to subsidize. So, like I said, Brazil for me is the better comparison mm-hmm. because we're sort of doing an apples and
1: apples comparisons. about Hold the line there for me for a second. And uh, we're going to take a quick spot break. When we come back, uh, we'll continue to look at the story. And as I said, in our headline segment, we'll take a look at this uh, electricity issue. But uh, for now, let's take this brief break. Here is our business wrap here on Metro FM Talk. 23 minutes it is after 7 p.m. Snezibo Maninjwa is my guest, independent market commentator, analyst and CA. And uh, yeah, Snezibo, I guess as we look at those uh, electricity uh, stories, they're quite interesting. I mean, the UK last week, I think I was on air when uh, the announcement was being made. Uh, the Chancellor of the Ex yeah, okay the Chancellor of Landipalo Exchequer or something like that um, was announcing energy price caps so so people were effectively being given you know, a ceiling on how much they could pay for energy which of course in that case included electricity um, I mean, it's quite clear when, when the comparison's made that there are a lot of Cushions and subsidies that are given to many consumers and firms in a lot of countries. Uh, whereas here in South Africa, I guess, uh, you know, historically, a lot of the cushioning has always been given to large users rather than households, which effectively always subsidized the bigger users.
0: Mm, not necessarily. Depending on which demographic you are, there is um, always an allocation for free electricity. The indigent one, yeah? Yes, there is. So they, there is. So i um, not necessarily true, and depending on. Like I said, where you live. Like, for example, like I know, comparatively, a um, apart in my size in the each rand pays less
1: than I do. Mm-mm, I'm not comparing consumer to consumer. I'm comparing mm-hmm. a consumer residential user to an industrial or a mining user. But that's not a fair ta- comparison. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I, I'm saying the tariff is mm-hmm. much smaller uh, per kilowatt hour or rand per megawatt hour whatever. Mm-hmm. Than, than, than for a residential customer.
0: But the value is so much higher. Of course, the volume. So, mm. so the volume value is so much higher. So I, I don't think that is a fair comparison. I don't think it is a fair comparison when you, when you look at the, the fact that... Out of, I'll tell you why I don't think that's a fair comparison, is that ultimately... ESCOM has less control on residential users than they do on industrial users. Industrial users. If Anglia does not pay by the 31st or month end, ESCOM switches off without even a blink. Where That's why the large users get so upset because they pay. So although we are subsidizing as consumers, the proportion of payments are higher on the industrial users. Mm-hmm. They actually collect... Mm-hmm.
1: If not collect some industrial no, for sure. Those are my I mean, actual paying cuts, uh, if you look at That's why I didn't say the revenue. Because I mean you would imagine like a, a plant that's running as you as you say, maybe the comparison's not fair. But I guess the tariff tariffs are tariffs. Um, and in a sense, you know, if, if I'm running a plant for twenty four hours versus, you know, me switching off the lights in the morning and switching them back on in the evening. So so I guess you're right. It's not a a fair comparison to make. But what do you yeah, make, so I guess, of all of the subsidies and other support? That some uh, electricity utilities provide to to their customers, be it residential or industrial.
0: So again, it, it, it literally depends on the economy that you are are functioning on. Of those. so for me, I think that the support on the lowest side of the economic scale is is warranted. Is warranted because of uh, the population dynamics of our country, but I also believe that you yeah it's an apples and
1: apples it's a an oranges and apple comparison mm. okay now mm. let's let's shift our attention maybe to to the telco space uh, telcom put out a trading update What do you make of these numbers? Um, I guess when you compare just on a few metrics, um, this player to some of its competitors, uh, be it active mobile customers, average revenue per user, uh, but also, I mean, they still have to deal with that legacy business um, of all of these fixed line phones. And I was saying earlier on to the listeners, uh, the one I have here in studio might potentially be one of theirs. So, uh, I mean, how, how did that go?
0: They, they did a trading update. So I think what was quite, was quite interesting was um, mobile fiber seems to be doing incredibly well. Mm. And then, and then, alternatively, we have got fixed line doing quite horribly. I think we're moving away, away from fixed line. You also have the challenges in the business, um, which is BCX. One of the things I always find quite strange in that, talked on board BCX BCX is doing incredibly well mm-hmm. What this merger stand I can't I, I, I don't have words for it because I just I don't understand it myself
1: and then is it the merger the- or the market they were operating I mean when BCX started uh, I don't know there weren't a lot of people who were doing the type of enterprise solutions they were doing <laughs> it seems now every and anybody is helping be it with payment systems inventory management analytics in the workplace all of that stuff
0: Mm. Yes. So, so that's sort of like what happened, I and mean, so there's that the fact that uh, they could not be competing to the market, mm. and then you've got the fact that uh, a couple of weeks ago um, investigations were launched into the telephone foray into other markets, failed foray into other markets. But so, overall, I think that if we isolate the results um, from and I mean, isolated in terms of mobile and data growth and fiber growth, and do a comparison to your other telcos, you see that they're operating in line. They're actually doing well. At some points, from what I understand, telecom is outplacing Southie in just terms of just growth and mm. um, scale. However, the drag of the drag of unprofitable businesses and legacy businesses, oh, sure. which the question then becomes, you have to get rid of those. But who do you get rid of them to? Who's uh, going to want them?
1: Uh-huh. I mean, who's going to want a fixed line business? Yeah, that literally,
0: it becomes a, there is no buyer in the market for it.
1: Yeah, so you just retire it. If you retire it, you go and make a museum.
0: Yeah, but then the cost of retiring it because you've got all those billions. A lot billion, billions. Uh-huh. Yeah, one of those... And you still have customers mm. in that segment. I think, you, I think sometimes people forget you still have customers on that segment. Hey, They're just not profitable.
1: Yeah. Snessebo. A lot of drama at nutritional holdings. Uh, and we're going to need a lot of context here. So maybe take a step back. These guys have seemingly ghosted not just the uh, issuer regulation division at the JSC, but seemingly their own shareholders as well.
0: Yes, nutritional holdings. Um, So um, apparently they are um, a small cap stock, a penny stock, uh, listed on the Altex Exchange. So like you said before, they have ghosted everybody. Like Mm. I just can't even, I I was literally dying from laughter. So um, last year, the past year, they have been getting censored by the JSE. They've had designated advisors. Quiz. They've been late for financial statements. They've had to republish financial statements. And most notably, which is one of the reasons why I've got our concern today was um, they one of their shareholders is trying to get hold of the CEO. The CEO claims he was sick. The guy was just not communicating. And it's, it's not just the, the the piece, the the they the shareholders also goes through the regulator. And they try to sell this uh, crypto, crypto cannabis, and I think, like, I don't think shareholders just even know what's going on. I just feel that everything, like, these guys are, and they've been these things have been going on for the past two years. They've been having like cannabis crypto. What's that?
1: What? what yeah. what's, what's cannabis crypto? What? What's that?
0: Um. So, basically, they're selling um cannabis and in pre-traded in crypto. It's, not, yeah, a, it's yeah. not a regulated transaction in our financial market system. So that didn't really work. So that's one of the reasons why they got censored. Um, yeah, they have just been not compliant with any of the listing requirements.
1: So what's the not story? Maybe, maybe explain something else to us, Nesipo. This story of advisors in the markets. I mean, what role does an advisor play? Because one of the things that is being mentioned here is that they've had massive churn of their advisors. I think they've had like four or five um, in less than a year. What's happening there? Yeah,
0: so um, if you're listed under Altex, you have to have a designated advisor. So your designated advisor takes on two dual roles. Dual roles that of um, of a sponsor in terms of they they maintain your relationship as a list co with the JC and also a corporate finance advisor in terms of just to advise the structures because ultimately the purpose of having an Altex listed platform is for comes to small caps in small to medium-sized entities to so eventually grow to large entities and providing an the opportunity for access to capital.
1: Mm, mm. True, true, true. Yeah, so, so I mean, these guys, just, I guess, some background. What is it that they so, sell? Usually, what do they, they
0: sell?
1: Were looking for, they're
0: looking they were promising investors with this cannabis crypto that if you invest twenty thousand 3,000 grand, you get 2.4 million brand in mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like these guys, and I'm saying they are just doing the
1: most. There. <laughs> like, no, but aside from that, suppose well, returns or push push. What what exactly did these guys sell? Because at some stage, I understand they sold that it was changed. bound to involve products. the community. Um, the dispute has been dragging up, you know? on for over two years. So they,
0: um, so basically, they they they, um, so they used to sell uh, manufacturing method made. And then eventually they pivoted to um, cannabis. Supposedly okay. pivoted to cannabis. you remember can cannabis is also agriculture. This is people sometimes forget. It's, it's also agriculture.
1: About the roads.
0: And um, about the roads. at some point they had a supply agreement, um, a supply agreement of one billion Rand with the mm. entity in Germany. Um, so it, they, they sort of, I think it was sort of like looking at the opportunity because a lot of opportunity in cannabis is actually agriculture, about the agriculture. actually agriculture. So they were looking to, and it's a, more, it's a highly profitable purpose of agriculture. And because cannabis um, is not commodified, gives you great um, sales price, You should have dictated the sales price. So on um, bilateral agreements. so. That's sort of where they were, but I, I don't know. They like if you go on their sense and um, they haven't issued financials. The last financial they they issued was August 2020, and they haven't issued since, and it's now 2022. Um, yeah. So everyone, this an entity that has a turnover of three rand, mm. but then again, a few. Uh, they also had to withdraw financials, so I'm not even sure if the living is real, which is one of the concerns I think with um, some of the um, some of the shareholders. They just have not been. Um, I, I think they just they just been doing the most, and I think I think the Jasons tired of them. And if you fundamentally kind of understand that um, most shareholders have put in money, and now you can't even get hold of management. Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy saying I'm sick, he's like, I'll talk to you, I'm sick. Like, it's just, just, just it does not, it does not go as well.
1: Then, so let's about the, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, this is one uh, we're probably going to be following quite closely because if by the end of the week, they still mum on a lot of things, uh, they might be delisted. So it's uh, certainly a developing story. But talk to me about this uh, news now. I mean, news reports coming out anticipating that the president on Thursday in his State of the Nation address might announce uh, quotas uh, that effectively reserve uh, parts of you know the labor market in certain sectors for South African workers. Uh, your thoughts on that?
0: Xenophobia, it will do nothing. Like, like, xenophobia. xenophobia, it will do nothing you already have employment equity. That's in place, that makes it incredibly difficult for uh, those who are looking, foreigners, to secure employment in South Africa legally and residing back legally. So you already have the employment equity act. What is it going to change? Like, you need to explain to me, what is it going to change? Um, I've seen, seen a lot of policy. Um,
1: yeah. But also, how it, do you police uh, the informal sector? I mean, the, the big issue You can't they police can't. the informal sector. I, okay. And for me, the informal sector is driven by
0: exploitation. It's exploitation and illegality. Why are you trying not to pay people a living wage?
1: Look, well, I mean, I guess the other issue here is is the ambit of the regulation would only cover low-waged work in the formal sense. Now, my concern has always been like, why, why aren't you getting the employers within the ambit of your concern? I mean, the, the big issue is the employer here who is effectively paying somebody a wage below a certain level, but who, because this person does not have papers, exploits them in that fashion. I mean, the fact of not having papers is something that weakens one's bargaining position, um, let alone, I guess, whether you're South African or not
0: like I said, uh, the, the main problem, like, literally the main issue is expectation. So for me, unless you're dealing with expectation and you're putting heavily penalties on people not paying a living wage and you're not requiring employees to ask for transparency on the wages that they pay, you are literally, this is Jennifer, there is this misconception that is not actually proven that, uh, the way they the defend is that foreigners are stealing jobs. Instead of saying that employers are exploiting foreigners, mm. stealing an opportunity in a living,
1: huh. yeah, because it's a,
0: a completely yeah. different language. And and for me, it's weak xenophobia because ultimately, the fact that they're targeting low base, no one is talking about Europeans. I'm uh. sorry, Europeans are getting cut. Oh, no yeah, one. They- or, no, you know, is a lot of the Eastern it's European it's folks here
1: in the East Rand, you know?
0: Yes, it's literally it's targeted towards black people. And, it, and, it, and, it, and we need to call it for what it is. I, I, I think we've had this discussion before. We need to stop running away from naming things for what they are. It is xenophobic and it is driven in hatred. That and if we do not put a stop to it, we've seen what happens with the xenophobia violence. I'm sorry. And I'm gonna go back to what happened in Rwanda over how many years, two decades, how did that start?
1: Nearly and this nearly is the
0: language and this is the language that mm-hmm. we are promoting. For me, I think Cyril needs to not budge on this and just tell people truly guys stop being xenophobic, Because if we do not call this and it really upsets me because if we do not call this this thing is going to move towards violence. You've seen uh, leaders of political parties because they've realised that this is a bargaining chip, mm-hmm. and literally is a copy and paste of Donald Trump when he won his elections mm-hmm. in um, five years ago. It is a copy and paste of how Boris managed to to kick out the EU. Copy and paste verbatim of the language, and it's specifically targeted for black people. It's not, it is a language of discrimination. Ultimately, you have to ask yourself I think we need to ask ourselves an intermediate line question is that who is to blame for explosive wage practices and target them? Mm. If people can get into the habit of paying fair wages, this idea you will employ whoever can do the job. Instead, you're looking to exploit and discriminate against someone's bargaining power because this is a game it's it's literally for people who know literally who are not do not have papers why are you even employing someone who doesn't have the correct paperwork why because you want to exploit
1: mm. mm. yeah. let's leave it there Let's leave it there because it's something we're going to be picking up with uh, a Labour Federation, Kwasatu. Uh, we want to hear some of their thoughts on this uh, because uh, reports are suggesting that uh, some of this was discussed at a lekhutla uh, uh, of the Alliance uh, and uh, quite interested, I guess, in hearing uh, what the position uh, that emerged or what uh, Kosatu's contribution and input has been to those discussions um, on uh, many workers that...